0: This is Chapter 163 of the WCBS Author Talks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WCBS 880 Books. I'm Lisa Chernkovich. Coming up, a murderer underestimates a pack of senior sleuths in the crime fiction debut from British TV personality Richard Osman. Then we grow old with a couple of friends in the award-winning dark comedy from Charlotte Wood. There are more than a few people who act like getting old is the worst thing in the world. In my opinion, the more birthdays you have, the better it is for you. But if you're one of those who isn't looking forward to your golden years, the inhabitants of the retirement village at the heart of the Thursday Murder Club may change your mind. The new murder mystery is the debut from British TV presenter Richard Osmond. So... It's the Scooby-Doo meddling kids, all kind of grown up. How did this novel about four senior <laughs> amateur sleuths, I, I like that you like that, working to solve a murder at their retirement community yeah. come about?
1: Uh, you're, you're, you're the first person to draw a, a Scooby-Doo parallel, Lisa, <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, it's Funnily enough, it, it came from real life. I, I, I went to visit um, the mother of a friend of mine who lives in a retirement community um, right in the heart of England. It's a really beautiful place. Uh, and when I went there, it's really beautiful. God, it's quite quiet right out in the English countryside. And you'd have read enough crime books to know that the second any writer looks at a place like that, they just think, wow, this would be an amazing place for a murder. Uh, and, you know, that's what I thought when I was there. Uh, and the people who live there, they're all over 70. And so uh, we went for lunch and chatting to a few people. Uh, and you start hearing their life stories and you also you start sort of Seeing how much they're drinking and seeing the little glint in their eye, and you suddenly—I suddenly, suddenly thought—if there was a murder here, I bet you lot would solve it. And that's how it came together, really. I, I suddenly thought of this thing: of there's a murder in this community, and um, four of these um, people in their 70s—they meet up once a week anyway to look out over uh, old unsolved police cases and stuff like that—and um, they call themselves the Thursday Murder Club. Uh, And when there's a real murder in the community, the four of them then set about trying to solve it for real. So it it, it came from real life, really.
0: And and what's part of the appeal of having, you know, your detectives be elderly? I know there's this there's this tendency to wave off older people and and maybe not take them Mm -hmm. so seriously and let them get away with things that really would work to your advantage in this case.
1: I mean, that's Absolutely hit the nail on the head. That's exactly why it kind of, it works. I mean, because, you know, people keep saying, how did you, how did you get inside the head of someone in their mid-70s? Uh, and you think, well, it's easy because their head is exactly the same as <laughs> someone in the mid-50s or their <laughs> mid-30s. You know, our brains don't change at all. Um, it's just the way the world looks at us changes. So you're quite right. Having these four people, because really it should be impossible for them to get into the heart of a police investigation because you're not really allowed to do that. But the fact that they're older and the fact that they're overlooked and they're underestimated and the fact that even the police think they're harmless means that they're able to use the skills that they've generated um, over many, many years to get their way the whole time. And, you know, by the end, they've got everybody eaten out of their hand. And it's not, I don't mean that in a cozy way and, oh, aren't they cute? Because, they're, you know, they're, they, they have, you know, they, they're, they're pretty mischievous. You know, and they do stuff they shouldn't do, and they definitely do stuff you should be arrested for. But at every step of the way, they're sort of always one step ahead of people because, you know, we all we know this from real life, right? People in their mid-seventies thinking, "Oh, what's what's the worst that can happen?" Uh, but um, yeah, I wouldn't want to meet the real Thursday Murder Club down at Dark Alley—that's for sure.
0: Especially Elizabeth; she she is spunky with a lot of mm-hmm. secrets.
1: I like the idea that this was that we can still have new beginnings when we're in our 70s, that we can still make new friends, that we can still have exciting new things happening. Uh, and that's what you get here, I think, because there's four of them, and they're all very, very different. So Elizabeth, as you say, used to be, we're never really certain what she did, but it's clear that she was very high up in MI6 or MI5 or something like that, and she still has all those contacts. Joyce, uh, who narrates a lot of the book, used to be a nurse, uh, and therefore, actually, she's the one who gets things done because, you know, she's just used to getting stuff done. Uh, then there's Ibrahim, who's a psychiatrist, and Ron, who was a labour activist. Now, all four of them have such completely different backgrounds uh, and probably in previous lives would not have come across each other. But now when you put them together in this one place, in this one precinct, and give them a common goal, the friendship that is formed um, is so strong. Uh, and I, I love the idea that, you know, we still have best friends that we haven't met yet. And you're capable of being in your 70s and forming these uh, incredible bonds.
0: And also, I think, you know, for those people out there, mostly younger people who think that, you know, life ends when you turn 70 or you move into one of these retirement communities, <laughs> yeah. it's totally not the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, when I when I went to um, see this place, the thing it reminded me of more than anything was like a college halls of residence. You know, it's like when suddenly you've got kind of 200 teenagers living together. Uh, but, you know, this lot are all living together and they don't have any work to do. You know, they've got no homework. They've got no pressures. They've got, you know, they, they, they have a lot of time on their hands. Uh, and it's exactly that. And when I went to the real place, what struck me more than anything was just this incredible life. You know, everyone gets up early. Uh, everyone has lunch early, early. Everyone starts drinking quite early. You know, all of them. Uh, and there's such politics and mystery and intrigue you know like in any community uh and it just it was so full of life and i wanted to get that across in now, a book and i think and i hope certainly from the response um over in the uk so far people are re- people are responding to it and people also are saying oh my god i'd love to live somewhere like that where when when, when i'm older
0: uh, you can count me in that group too because it sounds like a, an incredible yeah, place,
1: every, <laughs> place yeah. to live
0: yeah. Uh, you know, being a oh, murder. They got a
1: nice restaurant. They got a swimming pool. They got everything. Uh,
0: an upscale dining establishment, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, exactly right.
0: So, being a murder mystery, this book obviously features a dose of death, Um, but you also approach it yeah. from the angle of these seniors and how it's how death is always a presence that's hanging over them. They never know when death is going to come knocking on their door, not nece- not necessarily because of murder, but just because of their age.
1: Yeah, which I think is really interesting. I talk to my mom quite a lot about it. She's in her mid-70s. And the, the lovely thing um, about it is, again, you know, I start from the position that, their brains are exactly the same, you know, one's brain doesn't change. But, you know, you are around grief a lot and you're around loss an awful lot. And it does sort of change your attitude towards death a bit because you have to slightly take it more in your stride. Uh, And you accept your own mortality slightly more. And you accept, there's a number of things you accept that make you better, I think, at dealing with murders because, There's a bit of, there's no, from any of the four of them, there's no sentimentality, really, about the murders. There's no sentimentality about loss. Um, You know, they're able to cope with it in a very kind of, um, just a sort of, it's very normalised in their life in a way that I think someone in their 50s gets much more uh, anxious and upset and nervous and worried about these things. And these four feel to me like they have the wisdom of ages a little bit and they have the wisdom of, you know, they have loved they have lost, they have loved again, they have lost again, you know, so they sort of see the cycle of life a little bit. Uh, and what a lovely thing to be able to explore when there's also this sort of lovely murder mystery going on underneath it, that's the beauty of, of crime fiction, is we know that the, the journey of the book will take care of itself. We know at the end, you know, we're going to find a conclusion, we'll find out who did it. And on the way, you can sort of, you can explore anything you want. And when you've got characters like these four um, yeah one of the main things they, they do explore is death and grief and all of that kind of stuff but in a way ho- that hopefully is not mawkish or sentimental
0: did I also read somewhere that this wasn't the novel you originally intended to write
1: um, well I would only say that in that you know for, because I spent my whole career in, in the UK and television really I started out as a writer and I been a TV producer and, and presenter. So over the years, I've started various novels. And funny enough, the character Elizabeth, who's the spy at the heart of this, uh, she came from a previous little thought. But none of those, I never had the time. You know, my career was always, there was always something else to do. But in the last couple of years, that I thought, no, okay, I'm ready to do this. And then I went to that at the time at community. I thought, wow, that's my idea. And then I thought, oh, I've got that character. My goodness, she'd be amazing at the heart of this. So like anybody who writes, I think probably over the years when you're trying to pluck up the courage or find the time, you have various ideas and then you can kind of use them for parts. You kind of go, oh, what about that bit of that and that bit of this? But this is the first time I actually sat down and said, no, you're doing this from start to finish. I did it completely in secret. I said, I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to get a book written. I'm going to get it finished. We'll see if it's any good uh but yeah elizabeth was taken from uh, from from the previous idea i had which i might at some point recycle like all like all writers right
0: i think there are a lot of people who are happy that you finally sat down to write the book because it really is very enjoyable and there's some laugh out loud funny oh. parts in there so that's Thank worth you. it's worth it too so well, that's
1: that's apart from uh you know talking again of that thing of look the journey of a crime book sort of takes care of itself in, you know, in that you know where you're headed. You know, one of the things I wanted to be was, you know, I believe in kindness and warmth and happiness and friendship and all of those things which are quite unfashionable these days when we're set against each other all the time. And, you know, social media will tell us we're at each other's throats the whole time and we're very combative and that's not how I experience life. It's just, you know, it just isn't. I think that that's, um, that's uh, an, an illusion created by social media and I, and, I wanted this book. Look, there's plenty of arguments and there's murders, there's all sorts of stuff going on, but there's a kindness at its core and there's friendship at its core and there's goodness uh, at its core. Uh, and that was uh, incredibly important to me. And I think that's something, again, that people have really responded to um, over here. In the year that we've had, it's been incredibly tough um, on both sides of the Atlantic, I think people are, and again, I, I wrote this before um, any of this happened. But I think we are looking for that sense of community and we're looking to see the best in each other because, you know, it, it is there. Uh, and we're looking for a sense of certainty as well. And, you, you know, I think crime fiction gives us that. And I think this book hopefully um, gives us a bit of warmth and humanity as well.
0: And my last question for you is, will this uh, will this force them make a return in, a, in another book?
1: Uh, I, yeah, everybody, everybody who survives the first book, everyone who's still alive on the <laughs> liberty returns for the second book, which I know, right? I have to say that just for spoilers. Uh, and um, so I've been writing that during the lockdown. It's been great. I've been writing the second one. Um, and I've just signed up to do two more as well in the UK and in the US as well, which is really, really exciting. So, um, yeah, we've got at least four more years of um, of uh, the Thursday Murder Club to come, which I I, I couldn't be more excited about.
0: Oh, I look forward to reading them. They're really a lot of fun. And I mean, the bodies just keep piling up around them. So,
1: it's <gasps> <laughs> certainly do. Thank you so much.
0: Richard Osmond, The Thursday Murder Club, thank you for spending some time with us. Pleasure. Around Hollywood, it's no secret that as women get older, the number of roles available to them diminish. Women's fiction can sometimes be the same way, with women in their late 60s and 70s relegated to being sweet and doting grandmothers. That's why it was very refreshing to read The Weeknd, the latest book from award-winning Australian author Charlotte Wood. In her story of old friends, the older women are real people with real problems. You know what? Just like in real life. She tells us more. Thank you observation Lisa the weekend
2: is about three women friends in their they're aged in their 70s they've been friends for around 40 years they are women who have been really quite powerful in their younger lives and actually still see themselves as very powerful um, and one of their kind of problems is that it's only just dawning on them that um, other people don't see them as powerful anymore so they they are they come together on a summer morning in Australia to clean out the beach house of their very beloved fourth friend Sylvie, who has died, and they're cleaning out her house for sale and they are each sort of coming to this um, gathering with you know various sort of private anxieties and um, challenges and sort of griefs they're all in grief for sylvie but they they're finding themselves kind of lost to one another now that she's gone because she was they're discovering sort of after the fact that she was the glue that would held this group together for so long and they're sort of struggling around the gap that that she has left with her death um but they are you know they're they're active they're two of them are still working or trying to work. one of them, Adele is an actress um Wendy is a sort of public intellectual who still has great work to write um and they you know they they feel as um as intellectually viable as um as relevant as they always have, but um they're kind of. A little slow to catch on that the culture is kind of turning away from them now at this age.
0: You know, for so long, I think people have always just brushed aside older, older people. And it's really just, you know, people now are just starting to realize maybe because there are more older people out there that life doesn't end when you turn 60, 70, 80, whatever it may be. Are people do you think more open to reading a story like this now? Is this a book you would have been able to write, say you know fifteen years ago?
2: I don't know about that um I think certainly people are open to reading this I mean it's sort of it's done incredibly well um here in Australia and in Britain and in Germany, and it's just come out in the states um so I feel like that well the the responses that I've had from older women um who read it are saying. Oh, here I am. You know, here's some here's a here's a book about people like me. In fact, I had an, an an email from an American reader the other day who was 82, and she said, "Thank you for writing a book about old women." She didn't even say older. You know, she's not she wasn't uptight about the word old. Uh, she said, "Writing a book about old women that isn't about waiting for death or or um, waiting on grandchildren." And I mean, I guess that's one of the things about the women in my book too. They're not defined by their family relationships. One of them has um, adult children, but she sort of has always been kind of rather too busy with her work to really pay enough attention to them. And that's one of the sort of creeping realisations that comes to her. But the others are, are childless, and they're defined by work as much as family.
0: And it's interesting, too, that this friendship that the four of them now, three of them share, it has lasted a lot longer than some of their marriages, some of their careers. Mm. You know, it's it's a testament, I think, like because you can choose your friends, maybe not your family. <laughs> yes, although at this point
2: they, they sort of feel like family and they, they are presented with some of their kind of, um, you know, their their polite edges have been sort of, um, worn off by the age of their friendship, so I guess one of the the issues for them is that they've they've almost forgotten how to love each other as um, kindly, perhaps, as they once did. Um, but yeah, the friendship has outlasted at least two of their marriages. One of the husbands has died; another one was divorced you know, long, long ago in the past they've been through a lot together they've been through illness through grief and death and and you know i think that's there are a lot of older women outliving men in in our societies now and and they you know turn to each other for sustenance and for company and friendship and and this sort of sisterly relationship that you know is as complicated as as sisters relationships are
0: One of the characters I'd be remiss not to mention, but who I think plays an outsized role is Finn, who happens to be one of the woman's older, you know, on the way out dogs. Mm. Why? What what was your point in writing his character in? Is he a mirror or is he a crystal ball? (laughs) Well, I think he's both of those things for them. Finn is
2: a very old dog, as you say, an 18 year old sort of mutt. designer mutt now but when he was (laughs) presented to um, Wendy by Sylvie their their now dead friend when he was a puppy he was just a sort of you know what would be called a mongrel dog Um, but he Wendy just loves him sort of um, helplessly even though he is now so old that he is really falling apart and he's you know a bit he's certainly dementing he's um, limping, he's a bit deaf, a bit blind. He's a little bit incontinent, which does not go down well with one of the more controlling um, or sort of controlled members of the of the threesome. Jude, who's a very organised person, and he's just horrified that Wendy's dragged this bloody dog along. Um, but Finn represents for people. Well, everyone sort of projects their fears about getting old onto this dog even sort of passes by and, and um, he, he is a bit of a crystal ball, he's certainly a mirror for their own feelings about um, sort of dependence and vulnerability um, Jude for example thinks that he should just be put down and you know she just insists that it's cruel for Wendy to keep him alive but Wendy thinks well he's not in pain; he's just old, and this is what happens when a dog gets very old, and she she isn't repelled by him and his body kind of falling apart, whereas Jude is just can't bear the sight of this ailing, failing creature and but sort of despite herself, she starts to. She starts to to look really at what Finn is representing for her. And each of the women has a kind of revelation about themselves that is presented to them through Finn. And it's not just about getting old, but it's about maybe things that they have been avoiding thinking about, about themselves.
0: You know, I want to take The the time now to point out that while there is this very serious undertone about, you know, longstanding friendships and death and and grief, you do manage to find the humor in getting old. And there are some very (laughs) funny observations and interactions that happen uh, among this threesome as they're spending this weekend cleaning out their friend's house.
2: Yeah, I wanted to write a funny book. You know, I, I, my previous book was called The Natural Way of Things and it was a really kind of tough, pretty grueling book about misogyny. And it was it was a tough book to write and I know a tough book for people to read, some people, even though, you know, it got a lot of love as well. But so it was a kind of reaction for me to write something that, even though it could be about, you know, some some... Sad and hard things. I wanted there to be lightness and humour through it. And interestingly, this morning um, I interviewed Sigrid Nunez um, about her new book. Um, what are you going through? And we talked about you know humour and what it does in a book, which is what it does in life. It's part of life. It's part of all the sad things in life. Have you know they have an, an angle or a flip side that is funny, even in the in the most Dire of circumstances and in the hardest times is a kind of absurdity and if you don't laugh you cry kind of situation and you know and we're all going through that kind of thing right now with the pandemic and everything. But there's it's a survival mechanism for human beings to to find ways to laugh and so I wanted to bring a lot of laughter into the book. And I could play with you know things about friendship and women sort of scratchiness with each other after they would known each other for a long time and and just stuff about bodies and um, dogs and friends and houses and you know it was it was a kind of real delight for me to have some fun writing um, a lot of humour into the book.
0: I think um, I'm I'm smiling to myself as you're talking about bodies and things like that because all I keep thinking about is uh, <laughs> Adele. And her obsession with her own body, she's the 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 actress and how how great of a body she has for her age. Yeah.
2: yeah. Adele has always been a very fine stage actress, always been very physically fit and well and, you know, a bit of a bombshell in her youth and she's particularly proud of her great breasts and you know, she's sort of She was one of those actresses who was known, you know, for her boobs. And she still kind of, you know, she thinks, well, I've still got it, you know. And the others, you know, a a lot of, I I think the humor um, and the pathos, I hope, comes from the ways that each woman thinks about herself. And then that is interrupted by the other woman's thoughts about her. So Adele's going down to the beach in her swimming costume thinking, I'm looking pretty good And the others are thinking, oh, my God, she's still getting away. You know, she thinks she can get away with that kind of outfit. It's sort of really she's just too much. But, you know, but that's also reflective of their own issues about their own bodies and not being. And they're sort of competitively making sure that um, she doesn't see them kind of wincing as they get up out of the chair because they've got a bit of a bad back, whereas she sort of springs up like a gazelle. Um, So. Yeah, I I love Adele. I think, I mean, she's kind of, she's sort of a little bit vain, but she's full of this sort of joy in life um, that sometimes irritates other people, but I really like
0: her. It's both refreshing and also a little scary to know that, you know, we really don't change all that much as we get older. Our bodies are going to change and maybe slow down a little bit and Mm. creak in places it never did, but at the core, that's always going to be the same
2: well it's I think one of the things i I discovered through writing the book that it was about was about how we we don't ever we don't seem to know ourselves any better as we get older. you know I used to think that um inevitably as I got older, I would begin to know myself more and be more aware and all of that and you know I don't think that anymore <laughs> i I wish that were the case, but I think a lot of this book is about how how we can still have illusions about ourselves, sometimes in really serious ways, and in lots of little ways that don't really matter, but, but also in some quite big ways that cause pain to other people or or are not letting us really face some stuff that we need to face. You know, by the time we're 75, there are things that you need to know about yourself. And sometimes your friends are the ones who who present you with this sort of, shock that you're not the kind of
0: person you think you are. And that can be kind of devastating. Is that one of the things you want readers to take away?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of, I never know what to, I just want readers to, or well, to enjoy it for a start, to enjoy being with people they might recognize um, even, you know, lots of young women and young men, funnily enough, have said, I, I really identify with these women. Uh, this 22-year-old bookseller, beautiful young man saying, oh, I just felt so identified with him." And um, I really, you know, that's very, that's what every writer wants, really. But I guess, you know, I think the for me, apart from the the. Subject of aging, which is kind of the thing that people talk about a lot, but for me, the friendship is is the real um, heart of the book. And how do you keep how do you keep a friendship for, for decades uh, meaningfully alive? How do you allow each other to change enough that you can each be yourself as you change as you get older, and yet still have the um, the strength of of friendship that we all would want, I think, into our old age.
0: Well, we've been talking with Charlotte Wood. The book is The Weekend. Thank you for spending some time with us and talking about it. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thank you. And that's where we close the book on this chapter. Next time, we chat with Tana French about her Western-inspired murder mystery set in Ireland. Until then, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WCBS 880 Books. I'm Lisa Cherkovich.